This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along The Way. So in today's pod we'll discuss the disappointing 3-1 defeat to Huddersfield, we'll be discussing some concerning injury news, catching up with the women's team and of course we'll look ahead to Middlesbrough this Wednesday. Okay, well um, boys, we're sitting here on a Saturday evening, a bit deflated I think. Um, But anyway, uh, let's welcome to the pod Mr Dan Buxton, how are you mate? I'm all right, thank you, mate. Uh, did you enjoy your day out? Uh, yeah, well, the, the Huddersfield, San, uh, Huddersfield fans rather uh, said that we've had, a, a, had our day out and now we can off home. So, um, we did. Yeah, we did. And uh, <laughs> we were quite happy at the end of it, to be honest. I think we'd all very deflated. Me and Andy looked at each other, I think, on the coach on the way back and were like... Oh, do we really have to do a podcast tonight? We just we were just so deflated, mate. We went there thinking we're going to win, and obviously we didn't. So I yeah. thought you were going to say you looked at each other like Lady and the Tramp. Spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> it was sweaty enough for it as it was. Um, anyway, <laughs> Andy, uh, how are you, mate? You've uh, recovered, hopefully. Uh, I guess so. That's that's <laughs> I can, that's all I can really say. Like the the one positive of today was listening to Man United conceding four in 30 minutes on the coach back. Honestly, top Watching every, everyone laugh, weren't they? It was <laughs> yeah, just it was... so funny. We're like, yeah. at least we're not Man United fans. Yeah, it could be worse. We <laughs> yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, anyway, um, it was flipping hot. Let's just, let's just put it that way. It was sweaty. It was hot. Um, and I spilt my can on the coach, which the coach driver will discover when he cleans <laughs> his coach. So, um, yeah, anyway... Uh, God, where do we start? So, yeah, I've been looking forward to this match all week, to be honest. Um, convinced we were going to win. I mean, as you heard, obviously, anyone who listened to, to the podcast on Friday or Saturday or, or whenever you listen to it, um, you would have seen that I was spot on with the scoreline, although I did give about six different scorelines. So I suppose it's easy to be right when you do that. Um, obviously, went 3-1 the wrong way, uh, to be honest. But I must admit, I've been looking back at this myself both and... I think the first half, I was sat there at half-time and I said to you, Andy, like, how the heck are we 1-0 down here? 
Yeah. Um, we should have been three or four nil up before they'd even scored. Obviously, there was the missed penalty. Okay, that happens. Um, obviously, Browns at the post. Just there was multiple chances uh, where we should have scored. But obviously, you know, fair dues to Huddersfield. You know, they did well. It was it was loose defending again from the corner. Um, although we, again we we say that we had a look at it didn't we before we started recording. Yeah. It's really good movement by Huddersfield in one handing. It's brilliant movement, but obviously Connor Taylor's gotten caught as Dan mentioned ball watching. And to be fair, if he was a step or so thir- further back, he would have probably gotten to that header. But it's yeah. brilliant movement from their players. Like so, yeah, um, you're right, mate. Connor Taylor wasn't probably great from him but in fairness to the guy he's had two brilliant games before this and he's still learning he's still a young lad um we've had more senior players make mistakes um already which you know you know i'd say probably been more prone to mistakes than connor taylor so um i'm not going to sit here and criticize the guy you know it's he, he deserves to have a bit of leeway to be honest but yeah i mean f- for me mate um second half we kind of came out we had a good bit of purpose about us didn't we 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 you know spent i say the good 10 15 minutes second half uh deserved you know to get the goal i mean poor dwight gale mate he must have been i don't know following zoomers league kicked a black cat or something <laughs> I, i'm not quite sure what he's done but to get two goals in a week disallowed wrongly for offside um he must be pulling his hair out uh, to yeah. be honest it must be annoying. Obviously, we 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 thought from where we were behind the goal that he was onside. Uh, I think Jacob Brown had one as well called up for offside, and we're thinking, how are these offside? And then, obviously, they go on to score the second, and then the third. We've rewatched the footage, like we said, and we're pretty sure that he was a few yards offside at least. Yeah. And we're thinking, offici- we've said it before, officiating this league is a joke, and. I'm pretty sure they did say this season they were introducing a VAR live or something. I've not seen that introduced one bit yet. I think it's next season, Dan. Uh, we we discussed this. Dan, you did say it was next season. I think it was coming in. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, next yeah. season. Well, we need right. it this season at this rate. We need it last well. season, this season. <laughs> Every season. Yeah, on, well, on, they on say Gale, these things though. average themselves out. Sorry, sorry go on, Dan. On Gale, it's coming though, isn't it? You can see oh, him, yeah. he's getting sharper, he's getting his eye in. He's though those marginal offsides that he's getting against him, he could easily have two goals this week, couldn't he? Perhaps should have two goals. Yeah, yeah. quite easily. We'll be he saying it would be a, a very good he week. Definitely have one. He should have had the winner at Morecambe. Mm-hmm. And I think you but you can just tell that his movements come in, his sharpness, that that instinct for goals there. And yeah, I think when he gets, when he does eventually get one that, you know, the, the liner doesn't stick a flag up for, you'll, I think you will see him go then. And that could just be the difference maker in this team because, what is it, we've had 39 shots in the last two games, scored once? Something like that. Yeah, and I, t- I swear most of them probably aren't even in. I mean, I, I think I'm mostly impressed by the fact, like you've been saying, he's, he's very unlucky not to have a couple of goals. And that's without him really having, the chance to have four or five shots and find it, find his arm, if, if you like, you know, he's it's, it's done it with scraps. I mean, it, I'd love to see what, you know, be, the guy actually being fed properly and what he could actually do what, with it. Like, I mean, fed properly like Jacob Brown should have done when he was one on one and Gail had an open goal and he decided to put it 15 yards wide instead. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we were on the opposite side of the, the stadium for that. It looked bad 
from the distance. Yeah. Um, I've well, not seen again any any updates, but it looked bad. Dwight Gale was not impressed. <laughs> he literally, I think Brown had done the hard work. Yeah, he he beat the offside trap. He was in, bearing down on goal, and Gale made the run alongside him and was literally just roll it into his path and he can put it into an empty net. And Brown decided to go for goal himself and got it horribly wrong. <clears throat> oh. But yeah, again, that could have got him off the mark. That as well. Again, another another good run. Another, you know, put himself in the right position for a tapping. He doesn't. He doesn't want to. He doesn't care if he scores eye catching goals. He he just cares about how many goals he scores. That's what he's done throughout if, his career, hasn't he? He's just goal yeah. poached. If they were all from three, four yards out, he wouldn't care, would he? No, and no, nobody would, would they? Uh, I mean, as long as he doesn't go hiding and you know morale drops a little bit, he doesn't seem that type of a player, to be honest. But no, um, he's, yeah, there are two different types of strikers, aren't there? You get there's either there's scorers of great goals or there's great goal scorers. Mm. He's the latter. Not the former. Yes, yeah, he is, mate. And I think one one thing I will say, and I don't want to put a downer on it, but it's, it's something we've got to talk about. Um, Sparrow, uh, the weak link today, and I feel sorry for the guy because first off, it was like a deer in headlights, mate, or rabbit head, whatever the bloody saying is. Uh, he was petrified of going forward. Uh, he would get the ball. They pass it around the defence like they normally do, get it out to the right or left wing, mostly the right wing in the first half, and he genuinely he didn't dare take his man on. He was that scared of making a mistake. And quite clearly, you know, we've got an half-time, come back out, O'Neill said, look, you need to get forward, and he spent most of the first 20 minutes in that, that opposition's half, which is where he actually did pretty well, to be fair to the guy. Um, I think he gave the ball away stupidly for the second goal, and unfortunately... That just opened the floodgates a little bit. He'd his head's gone down. I saw Baker come over and you know kind of put his arm around him. Just said, "Look, just get get your head up." Um, and from there, we were chasing the game, and we obviously got opened up again. Without that second goal, well, that ball being given away in the second goal, um, we probably don't lose that match. To be honest, it's hard. It's harsh to put it all on him, but that's what started it all off for me. Aidan Flint wasn't giving him an arm, putting an arm around him, was he? When that second goal, nah, Aidan Flint. Well, with Aidan Flint, I thought, and I think Harvey mentioned this to me when we were there. After he had the ball to the head, he wasn't the same defender throughout the game. He made quite a few silly mistakes, and I think we picked that on not on that up, Mike. Like there was a ball which came over to, him and he just didn't bother waiting, you know, controlling it, and he just headed it down and gave the ball away. Yeah. Yeah, heading it at knee height, which was yeah. proper random. Dennis Smith on the Radio Stoke commentary said maybe due to his bigger size, he was being affected by the heat more. <laughs> I don't know how well, you can make it up. So what about Connor Taylor then? He's he's taller. Yeah, but Flint's wider, taller. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we so make sure he's not listening to see what's smack you. Yeah, we, I agree with you with Sparrow. By the way, do you know who he reminded me of? Tommy Smith. It is morale low. Yeah. Well, we do the same. We've got two Tommies now, haven't we? We've had Tommy last season, Tommy this season. Yeah, every touch, first touch, is negative. Like, back, like, instead of opening his body up with the first touch, he's closing it in and and turning his back to the opposition's goal. So then he's got to either go back square or back to his keeper. Whereas, obviously, if as he receives that ball of right wing back, if you open your body up like Josh Timing does so often, it then, the pitch is, the whole pitch in front of you, you can still go back if you need to, but the whole pitch in front of you is then available to play into, isn't it? 
but he seems to be very safety conscious and nervous. And he, like you say, bit rabbit in the headlights, deer in the headlights, whichever animal you want to use. Um, and like you say, first ball come into him, and he was like, turned his back to his, the opposition, closed up, and then you've got to go backwards from that position, really. Yeah, and when obviously they were putting a lot of pressure on, as soon as Timon was getting, I don't know if you noticed, but as soon as Timon picked the ball up, there was at least one person, normally two, taking him out because they realised that if, well, the right wing back was our weak spot. That's why they kept hitting that that you know that left wing on that first half. They saw he was he was struggling, so you know we were going to Timon, we cut out. Well, they cut out the time and link, and all of a sudden we're having to force it through the middle. But they're very compact in the middle, so they they did. Yeah, we should have scored more goals, but they did a good job on us as well at times. Yeah, I would say two things that you've got to remember as well. Number one, six months ago he was a central midfielder who never played right back or right wing back in his life, and he was moved by the under twenty threes because they saw the attributes in him that he could play that role. Mm-hmm. So he's not even, a, you know, it's not as if he's been coming through the ranks in that position. He was a central midfielder who's ended up there. So, you know, six months down the line, he's still learning that position massively. So it's probably worth sticking with him because there's a lot of growth potential there, considering how long he's been playing in that, in, during that, in that position. And the other thing is Stoke City is not a club renowned for bringing its youngsters through, is it? Not historically, no. No. So what the possibilities for that, one of them may be, is that when youngsters come in, they are going to make mistakes and they are going to, you know, mess up, basically. Could use other words, but we'll keep it clean. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you have to sort of turn a blind eye to the odd one or two and say, as long as they learn from it, it happens. As long as you as long as they accept and understand that what they've done wrong or the way they've approached it, like, say, being a bit startled and, you know, negative in his play, as long as he takes that on board and turns it into a positive going forward and improves, then that's something you've got to ride out with them. And I just wonder whether, because the fan base is not used to seeing that, they're used to having 24 to 32-year-olds who are, you know, you know, first team ready, plenty of experience, whatever. It's something new, and we've just got to adapt slightly and say, okay. Not, I'm not saying you know, just let them off completely with every mistake and never mention it, but mm. just be aware that they are going to happen. It is going to happen because they they're still learning, especially so, in this new position. So, are you saying then, and we'll come back to Harry Clark because obviously we've got some news on that one, which most people would have seen by now. But either way, so are you saying then that? Let's. If Harry Clark can't play, are you saying that you keep him in your team? Because it's. Is it worse to drop him and really demotivate him, or is it better to accept his weaknesses and hope he improves? Which Which you thinking? I think he's had a taste of it, and it's the the managers. How the manager reacts, either way, is key. He's shown with Joe Bursic that he's he can spot like when somebody's a youngster maybe needs taking out the firing line, giving yeah. a, you know taking away, let them work on the game. They've they've seen a weakness, whatever they they accept it, they work on it, they come back. I think he'll do that with Tom Sparrow now, 
I think he's probably going to be looking for someone else to play that position for the next few weeks. And yeah. that's what I think he'll do. And I think Tom Sparrow, but he, again, it's how the manager does that. You know, certain managers would be like, you messed up, you did that, you're out the team, you know, because, you know, tough love and all that. I think maybe he'll probably put an arm around him. You know, you did a, you know, you showed the signs for me Saturday, you showed some good stuff, but, you know, and he, Tom, let's be honest, Tom Sparrow's going to know he wasn't best player on that pitch today, was he? He's going to yeah. know that he messed up with that second goal. He's going to know that he wasn't, he was nervous. So he's going to know himself that he can improve. It's about make, turning it, I'd say turning these negatives into positives. That's Okay. Maybe a loan to Joey Barton might do him some good, actually. But that's a conversation uh-huh. for another time. But um, anyway, yeah, so speaking of thoughts, so uh, anyone who listened to the previous podcast uh, would have heard from Matt from He Takes That uh, Chance podcast, so the Huddersfield podcast. Um, so uh, let's have a quick listen to what Matt's had to say about today's result. Hello again, chaps. It's Matt from the Andy Takes That Chance podcast here. And thanks again for having me back on. And I have to say a big thank you to Stoke for helping to get our season on track. I've always liked you guys. And and to be honest, this just reaffirms the love I have for the Potteries. Between Stoke City and Alton Towers, you're not a bad bunch at all. And speaking of Alton Towers, our head coach could have been facing oblivion had that result not gone the way it did. But the last thing we wanted was for him to get the old heave-ho uh, all my griping about our defensive shape in the preview I did for you guys was put to one side as Danny Schofield reverted to last season's out-of-possession shape and we looked so much better for it. Uh, but games are often on the edge of the blade, if you like, and had Stokes scored the first-half penalty, then our recent hex would have probably continued. England's unofficial fourth-choice goalkeeper bailed us out, just like he did on so many occasions last season. Was it a penalty? I think 99% of Huddersfield fans would say no. And 99% of Stoke fans would say yes. But it mattered not. Set Piece FC returned to action and Nakayama looks a really good find for us. Uh, Stoke, to be fair, with a a far superior side in the first 20 minutes of the second half. Uh, The equaliser was deserved. And then maybe it's a tale of two offsides. If Dwight Gale's goal counts, then you win the game. But it didn't. And a mistake from your young wing back and a contentious offside decision the other way has uh, swung the game in our direction. Was it deserved for us? Probably not on the balance of play, but it's been such a tough start for a, a likeable guy in Danny Schofield that I don't think too many independent observers will begrudge him some enterprise today. Uh, so all the best, guys. Um, always good to chat to you a lot. All the best to Stoke. And I think uh, I think I need to go book a day out now at Alton Towers. Matt, thank you very much indeed, mate. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, it sounded very grateful to the Stoke City charity. Big <laughs> shock. I, I can't remember who called that in the last one. I think we all maybe kind of I, called, I called, called that. it. Oh, you're claiming that one, are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> we've talked about the Stoke City charity. You know, in fairness to him, he said he actually probably wasn't a deserved win, uh, to be honest, which I think we'd, we'd all agree they probably didn't deserve to win, but they obviously just took the chances. So, look, again, the fact is, look, that they, they took the chances. Yes, they had a few lucky decisions. Um, whether that will actually, you know, they always say it swings and roundabouts and we all, you know, we get it back. Mm, time will tell. I'm not quite sure I agree with that. But um, yeah, Matt, always good to hear from you, mate. Good sense of humour. Uh, so it's been a pleasure the last uh, couple of podcasts hearing from you. So that's brilliant. Um, now, obviously, Dan put out the Man of the Match polls as well for today. Um, so uh, we've had a bit of a string of 
different kind of votes actually but uh baker takes it uh today with 47 percent um smallbone got 22 percent joe bursick got 10 percent which mm, i'm not sure about that but bursick got 10 percent uh gail and taylor i think got four percent each and then there was a scattering of others um i mean andy me and you both said this to each other didn't we baker deserved it for sure yeah, the goal yeah effort was great um, obviously the goal was pure class but Smallbone for me he didn't do anything special didn't do anything wrong um, but I think overall he seems to have really really settled in well doesn't he yeah obviously Baker like we say deserves it 100% he, he, his head never really dropped either like most no. people even though we had a penalty early on and missed it most players heads just drop at that saying oh it's not going to go away and to be fair his goal he's hit it first time which you know normally if you're shooting from that far out you take a touch but now nah, Baker, he he's improved so much since he's come here, and he's he's definitely captain material. I saw one or two tweets going out saying, "Oh, how can Baker be captain and things like that?" Oh, the responsibilities getting to him. He's not the player he used to be. It was warm today, and I know that's an excuse, but thirty-one degree heat playing in an all-black kit is going to affect every player. See, mate, I don't get this whole oh, you know, captain is affecting his play. I'm not being funny, but when he's on a pitch. He hasn't really got to do very much as a captain. He leads by example. You don't need a a bloke banging on at people all the way through a match. I mean, Joe Allen, again... I don't think he said a word, did he, on the pitch? No, he didn't. Um, You know, does that mean that the players didn't respect him or they weren't going to listen to him? No. Uh, I don't get that (laughs) argument. I think it's it's a lazy throwaway comment, to be honest with you. Um, But, yeah, either way... There's There's different types of captains, isn't there? There's... There's your throw some England analogies in there. You've got your Tony Adams, Terry Butcher styles, you know, scream, shout, organize, raw, is everybody with me? And then lastly, you've had, you know, people like Beckham, who wasn't, you can't expect, you didn't imagine Beckham calling people out, picking people out, but he probably run around and, you know, covered every blade of grass and everything and dragged everyone along with him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, for me, he just leads by example, uh, which is all you can really ask for. Um, So thank you for everyone who voted on that one. If anyone obviously doesn't already know, then you can vote via the Facebook group that we have. So just search for every step along the way on Facebook if you've got it um, and you'll be able to do it that way. Uh, One thing I did ask for at the end of the game, so I just asked for any fans views um, and wow, that opened up a floodgates. Uh, So I I think I counted almost 30 comments. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be running through 30 different comments because nobody wants to hear me banging on for that long um but i just picked up kind of five or six comments which uh i mean guys feel free if you've got any comments to make you can jump in but uh so josh davis uh why is mon still at the club i'd be on the phone to deitch uh neil harding suicidal defending jake stokey why are our corners so poor both attacking and defending i must admit mate i agree with you we need to sort our set pieces out um alex lewis if if uh, it was a one-off i'd say defensive mistakes dubious decisions etc but it's the same most weeks the next two home games are critical or it's time for a change um i must admit mate the thought of us losing against middlesbrough and then sunderland um it will turn extremely sour uh, if that happens so yeah um fair point mate uh mike lawton um, and I thought this was a good comment. So I'm reminded of Einstein when he said doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity. Mon needs to reflect on his strategy and the coach family on their manager. Sad to say it, but history is repeating itself. 
John O'Field, remember when we tried to defend Jones by saying he just needs his luck to change? Is it too early for Mo- uh, Michael O'Neill out yet? Needs big results next week, in my opinion. So a little bit of a common theme there um, around is it time to go, is it not time to go, etc. We're not going to get into that big whole debate, but it's interesting to hear where people are at. And um, again, I'm sorry if I couldn't obviously read your comments out. Like I said, there was almost 30 of them and it's too many to remember. But again, thanks to everybody. Um, and like I said earlier, if you want to discuss away from Twitter, just go to the Facebook group and you can comment on that. Um, any comments on any of that, boys? Or, I mean, pretty much the comments expect what you expected. Pretty much everything. It's just obviously when we're going to talk about Harry Clark that I've got one or two points to make adding to that. But we'll get to that in a minute. By the way, Sean Dyche is not coming anywhere near. Yeah, Sean Dyche is, I would say, was our worst play style on Tony Pulis and would send us back 20 years. Uh, Right. Just let me just remind everybody here. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) We've got... We are in the midst of an FFP. I, I'm trying to keep it it's clean. Not, here. It's not a crisis <laughs> situation. No. So I'll get the bleep on, on hand, Dan. Beep, beep. Yeah, they've got hands, <laughs> hands, feet. Everything's tied with it. Do you know what I mean? It's we. There's a reason. Why do you think we're going to Arsenal and getting Harry Clark, a, a young, young lad on loan? Um, to play right wing back because we can't afford to go and get a, a, an experienced player. Yeah, the wage bill has yet again had to be slashed. Half our players are free agents. We are still, we are still paying. You know, they've got a couple left, but the thing is, and people say, "Oh, look how much money left in the summer off the wage bill." We, yeah, we lost, must have lost nearly two hundred thousand pound a week. It's like, yeah, but the manager hasn't had that to spend again. It's not like it's not like they've gone. Oh, you know, we've got rid of all this money. Here you go, Michael, go and spend all this money you can spend on wages now. He's probably had about 20% of that because they've had to they've had to rein in um you know the losses and that and, and everything because we've that we were overspending on wages by you know that much. And if you think Sean Dyche is gonna come here whilst all that's going on, I think somebody the other said Daniel Farker. You do have yeah. Daniel Farker's second in the gym Bundesliga, don't you? Yeah. Lucy yeah. But the question is, I've got about all this FFP stuff. What's happening with Atibo? Well, Probably that, nobody wants it. to pay the money for him. That's the problem. But yeah. he's training at the club. Well, oh. well yeah. yeah. Remember Abamyang for Arsenal? He was training at the club, but he wasn't wanted. There's a difference in there. Yeah, they yeah. may as well keep him. They may as well keep him fit. They've got more chance of flogging him off to someone else <laughs> if they. If he's I'll give fit. you that. I'll give you that. But the thing, it's like. What's going to happen here is, right, we've probably got this season and then maybe ne- next season that they start to let, let level out a bit and we start to get a bit more freedom financially. We can spend a bit. We can spend a bit. Not massive, but we can, it, it, it probably starts on an upward curve. And then, you know, no manager's going to come in now and take over this squad in these conditions because they think they're putting their reputation on the line to come here, especially if it's mm-hmm. like someone like Daesh who's had, you know, seven, eight years in the Premier League, he come, he, he's just been sat by Burnley. If he comes to Stoke and does nothing, all of a sudden there's reputation. Are people going to look at him in the Premier League and give him a job? Probably not. No. No, it's a so fair, no, he's it's not, a fair he's comment. He's not going to risk it. In 12 months' time, when there's a bit of money spent, Maybe. what they're hoping for is that Michael O'Neill sits out the rest of their season 
and then and then everyone runs out of patience with him, uh, and he get and he ends up getting sacked towards the end of the season or next summer, and they can come in after he's done the hard slog with all the financial restraints, yeah. and then they can come in and reap the rewards of it all. Yeah, and O'Neill has, has he only got until um, next summer on his contract? If I remember rightly. Yeah, and the yeah, other and sure, the other yeah. thing yeah. is. The other thing is, if you want Sean Dyche coming, Sean Dyche wants experience. He's a very much like Tony Pulis. He wants experienced heads who know what they're doing, who aren't going to be making mistakes, who he hasn't got to worry about, who he hasn't got to mould, who he can tell to go and do a certain job and they'll go and do it. And he can trust them. Mm. We haven't okay. got that squad. We've got a squad of young players who are developing, who are going to make mistakes, and who are still learning their game and be moulded and we hope that we get gems coming through like Harry Suter, like Nathan Collins, like Tyrese Campbell and we can pick people up like Jacob Brown and turn them into better players than what we signed them for. Jacob Brown's improved tenfold since he's come here as well. Exactly. That guy's like a sponge. Look at the goal we scored last week. He's been working with... I said, I'm telling you now, that is the Dwight Gale effect. I know I said it last week, but how, you know, Dwight Gale's obviously said to him, lads, you go in the near post here, boys. You, you can help yourself to 10, 15, 20 goals a season. It happens. He makes the run. He's like a sponge. Technically, he might not be the most gifted footballer, but in his head, he is obviously so desperate to learn and improve all the time. And that's why he's, that's why he gets picked. That makes you a good <laughs> footballer anyway. If, if yeah. You might not be the most technically gifted, but if you've got the knowledge, yeah. if you're a poacher like Gale, he might not be, you know, the best player ever. But he's got the knowledge and knows where to position himself. And he can grab 15, 20 goals a season easy. Would you would you rather Just somebody like serious. would you rather somebody like Jacob Brown who's willing to 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 learn and develop and bust or an Andy Carroll. Or somebody like yeah, not so much an Andy Carroll, I think he was unlucky with injuries, but someone like a Ravel Morrison naturally could be one of the best players of his generation and has ended up going from club to club to club every six months because he's just got well for whatever reasons. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. have a brownie, to be fair, and I'm glad we do have a brownie. Um, okay, lovely. Well, let's move on a little bit now anyway. So, um, Lou Roberts, obviously, uh, anyone who's been listening to the pods pre- previously will know all about Lou, obviously the uh, the Stoke City ladies' first team coach. So, um, yeah, so as we mentioned previously, you know, she's going to be doing weekly updates for us on the games, um, you know, kind of reviews, etc. So, we're going to get a bit bit more kind of first-hand insight. Uh, so, Lou has kindly sent us some audio uh, for this week. So, let's have a quick listen to see what she had to say. Hi guys, Lou Roberts here, just giving you a quick update on Stoke City Women and the progress we've made over the pre-season period. We brought the girls in nice and early this season. Um, it gave us the opportunity to spend a little bit more time with them. They can really fit. It's given us an opportunity to get really organised and disciplined um, and prepare ourselves as best we can for the coming season. During that time, we've obviously been working really hard away from the pitch. Um, so new signings that have come in, I've added a little bit of quality, something a little bit different. Added more depth to the squad, which will be key as we go through the season. We've also had a, a really influential player in the past return to us. She had a brief spell in Canada, but we're now really pleased to welcome Abby Hunt back to the club. She'll be an important factor in our success this season and we're really happy to have her back. We're now going into our last pre-season friendly um, away to Blackburn this Sunday. And then we go into the season next weekend with Loughborough away. We do know this season is going to be really competitive. It's, it's expected at this level, but we are more than ready. The girls have applied themselves in pre-season. The staff have worked unbelievably hard. And we're more confident than ever as we go into this season that there'll be a positive outcome. 
Lou, thank you very much indeed. Uh, good to catch up. So, uh, yeah, it looks like you've been extremely busy this summer anyway. And obviously, uh, welcome back to Abby as well. Um, so, Dan, I think obviously the, she mentioned got Loughborough away uh, first game and uh, a bit of a different format for that match, I think. Yeah, so it's been played at Loughborough University Stadium, Sunday 21st. Um, but we kick off at four o'clock and at one o'clock, there's a game between two sides from the Women's Super League, West Ham and Liverpool. So they've got, they're playing each other at one and then a straight after, obviously, four o'clock, same pitch, same place. Uh, we're playing Loughborough Lightning. So, yeah, it's um, seven pound adults for the day, three pound fifty concessions, two pound for students or under 16s. Mm. Should be a very good, uh, very good crowd anyway, um, considering. I think I think the obviously the England national um, ladies team. Uh, I think we last time I heard we sold like twenty thousand uh, tickets for that at about three six five as well. Pretty sure. So I think they're, they're releasing those tickets in spurts, I, I believe as well. So um, it's sounding like a good one, mate. But yeah, it's certainly an interesting format, not nonetheless. So uh, so yeah, th- obviously we'll uh, we'll catch up with Lou anyway um, in the the coming week just to see how obviously that game goes and what her kind of take of things are. So Lou, thanks again for the audio. Um, so just before we move on to the Middlesbrough full preview, um, Dan, I believe we've got some movement on the under-18s this week, mate. We have got some very good news for the under-18s. So they kicked off their season um, a few hours before we took on Huddersfield. So they, they actually came from 3-1 down to beat Leeds 4-3. So a very good start. There was Matthew Lusakueno. I've probably butchered his name, and I apologise to you, Matthew. But he got our first goal. Of the, he got our first goal of the season. Uh, we then had a brace by Ali Hayden, uh, Ali Hayden, and then a winner from Nathan Lowe, who I think he's benefited from Emre Tesgell's sort of journey up into the under twenty threes and the first team antes. He was playing a few times for the twenty threes last year. I think he's still only like sixteen, seventeen himself. Um, so I think he sounds like he's another promising striker as well, Nathan Lowe, that we've got. But yes, good that they've got themselves off to a winning start. Um, my phone did got the notifications through, so every time it was a goal, and I was like, oh no, 3 1, 4 no. And then bang, 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 4 3, happy days. Um, so yeah, good on them. And actually, you mentioned Tesco, let's not go too much into this because I want to move on. But um, was he on the bench today? I can't remember if he was or not. I'd- do you not believe so? No. No, he, no, he wasn't. Uh, Campbell and Wright Phillips were the striking mm. options on the bench. He didn't travel to the squad to Morecambe either. So I really don't know what's going on at the moment. Whether he's, you know, personally on holiday. Maybe alone. Can we can we loan him out, Dan? I'm trying to think of no, the, the legalities. I don't think he's got to be, legally, yeah, be yeah. an adult, doesn't he? Yeah, you have to be 17 to be able to go out on loan. And he's not 17 till September. Right. So okay. It's going to be January before he can go anywhere. So we may end up loaning Demardio out, maybe because he probably needs games, and then yeah, Emre can maybe go out on loan in January and Demardio. That's what I'm thinking. Back. I'm just struggling to see how he's going to break into this team right now. Um, it, if we carry on struggling, um, he's not going to get in the team at all. So it kind of almost defeats the object of having him around uh, in some respects. You know, you could always send him to... We, we joked about this earlier, but you could always send him to a Vale or, or a crew, um, get him some first-team game. It doesn't make a difference where he goes. Um, but I think, you know, even a even a Vale probably wouldn't be a bad shout. Uh, we local said team send him to Joey Barton, didn't we? 
Send, yeah, send him to Joey Barton. I mean, he's a fairness to Joey, mate. You, people might not have liked him as a person, but he's he's, he's done wonders with Suter. With and, what he's done with Suter on table, yeah. Well, but so, the thing is, obviously, he did well with Suter, didn't he? And he did well with obviously Connor Taylor. But there was who's the is it Elliot Anderson? Elliot Anderson, and we were then yeah. linked with him. He's he's done really well, isn't he? At Bristol Rovers on loan from Newcastle last year. So obviously, he can do it with attackers and defenders. It seems as well. Yeah, so maybe that's an option. I our new feeder club. Um, anyway, hey, if you're looking no, for a feeder new, club, feeder manager. If people are looking for a new manager, we want somebody who works with no money and somebody who's good with youngsters. Joey Barton. Bloody hell, fire! Okay, <laughs> you wouldn't mess with him in the mess dressing room, would no, you? Though? Bloody wouldn't. Um, anyway, let's go and have a look at the Middlesbrough match. Okay, Middlesbrough. Um, let's just start off with obviously a bit of key injury news. I mentioned it earlier on. Um, so, yeah, on the way back, we knew that Harry Clark obviously hadn't played. Um, and it kind of comes out, I think it was Pete Smith from the Sentinel was the first one to really give any real context behind it. But Harry Clark is out and there's no time on when he'll return. So O'Neill has said that he's going to have to go back out to the market to try and get somebody else which says to me that it's going to be at least a couple of months. Otherwise, you'd obviously try and just, you know, work your way through it, wouldn't you? Um, now, for me, this uh, probably a question for both of you, to be honest. We obviously knew that we needed a left centre back and I think target man was going to be his other kind of, you know, target effectively. Now, with the fact that we now need another right wing back, um, we're still going to pay play uh, Harry Cox's wages. We're still going to pay them. So... Does that change our targets for target man and left centre-back? Do we have to maybe go a little bit cheaper now we need to spend money on a new right wing back? Or do you think that it doesn't affect anything at all? Maybe we need to see. Right, yeah. Okay, Pep, we will still take Liam for you. I know you you really want us to have him. But we need you to find us a right-footed defender as well. Fair, that's, that's we'll only we'll take the lap off your hands if you can find us a right wing back as well in your academy. Well, I'm sure they've got plenty to choose from, mate, but it's just, I, I bet he needs this like a hole in the head, O'Neill, to be honest. Um, of all positions for us to get screwed on, uh, it, right well, wing does, back is one. It, it also is like, adds more pressure to him to ditch the the wing-back formation as well, yes. doesn't it? I was going to say that, yeah. We looked at the free agents market, didn't we, on the way back, Mike? And there was one or two names which popped out to me. Andre Wisdom, Martin Kelly, or Cyrus Christie. Those are the three that you've got in the free agents. Now, I wouldn't mind Cyrus Christie, because we missed out on Nathan Byrne, which, you know, I think he's gone over to the MLS now, hasn't he? And Cyrus Christie would fit the wing back option, but it's whether how much he wants. Well, I've, when we get to our teams in a bit, I have got a wing back option. Okay. It Tom, may, is it Jordan may, Thompson by any chance? May surprise. <laughs> I'm not telling you. you have to wait and see. Well, what person we haven't mentioned, guys? Tom Edwards. Yeah. Could we not get him back? Because for me, I've said earlier on in, in the preseason, Tom Edwards could be the exact type of player we need. We we discussed it, didn't we? We were saying he's got to be on the phone tonight saying to New York Rebels, either you pay full price for him right now so we can get a replacement or he comes back. 
I don't think we can though, can we? Is it the end of December? Is that till? Yeah, but the thing is, if it's needed, you can terminate a loan. I thought that'd be agreed between both clubs. Though I thought, yeah, it it depends if it depends what clauses are in there, what break clauses there are. We might pay a financial penalty. Yeah, that's the whole problem we've got. For example, we wouldn't be very happy, would we, if in six weeks' time, Southampton turned around and said, "Well, we need Will Smallbone back." So tough shit, Stoke. Brighton did with Ostergaard. Yeah, but that was a mutual thing. I think Stoke didn't want him as much as like here anymore, did they? Because he was like they were probably paying wages that the the manager didn't feel was justified because he wasn't playing him at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I get that. So it wasn't as if Stoke were like, "Oh no, please leave him, please." <laughs> so they were like, yeah, take him. So if he could come back, would you have him back? For me, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, mate. You've got to have him back. Well, put it put it this way. If he was in the squad right now, he'd play today. Yeah. Yeah, so. he would. And hopefully he's improved since he's been out on loan. I mean, he's played, what's uh, defensive midfield? He's played uh, right back. Um, he's played he's... right wing back. He's played right mid, left mid, centre back and centre defensive mid. He's been on, he's been on set-piece duties. You know, so they obviously you know, value him and his delivery and stuff, which is exactly what we need. A right footed Josh Timon and he hasn't he's probably not got the pace of Timon, has he? But uh, he's technically his, definitely his main, on par with technicality. Yeah, his crossing ability is brilliant. No no worse than Tommy Smith was, so anyway. I think like you what you mentioned though, Dan, it's probably equally I don't know, maybe he can see this like you've said as a as a way of changing formation. Maybe this is a wake-up call for him and his team to go, right, shall we just try something else? Shall we just go 4-4-2 or some variation, bring Dehaney in for the time being, because we know that Dehaney, he's, no, he's not great going forward. But I don't as a, think as he's right the plans of the club. To. That's the whole problem. He's not travelling with the team. I don't think he's training with the first team. Well, if he, get, if he goes to a back four, though, he doesn't need to because he can play Ben Wilmot at right back. Or Ben Wilmot, yeah. He didn't look great there today when he switched it around, though, did he? Yeah, but that, you're asking formation changes mid-matches. I know people go on about plan B and stuff, but it, I don't know. <laughs> How many sides do you know that just sort of fluidly change formations? Not and, many. No, exactly. It's There's, there's having a plan B and there's having a plan B. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll try this and hope it works. And there's Oh yeah, the lads have nailed this every time. Don't worry, they'll just we can just switch from here to this to this. Well, we'll soon we'll soon see. Um, he hasn't got long left to do business, so <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyway, head to head stats. Now I'm sure you boys have been busy. Um, Andy, you've not had as much time no, as Dan. Man, um, pretty woeful. I've got basic stats, but they're still a little bit interesting. Well, I said we'll come with you first, Dan, because Dan's probably got the basic ones. Dan's covered, got so. everything probably. So go for it, Andy. You're joking, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so um, simple fact first is that, you, as we know, our beloved Tommy Smith that we did have, who we thought would still be all right in the squad, obviously is now signed for Middlesbrough. And he did captain them out in the last match in the Carabao Cup. Um, with the last eight games that we've played against Middlesbrough, we have one win, one draw and six losses, which have concluded three goals and conceding 11. The first game we ever played against them was the 27th of December 1902, where we lost 2-0. 
And the most recent was a 3-1 loss on the final day, final away game of last season. So yeah, that's that's the basic stats. But they're fairly interesting as well on the same sort of par. Okay, fine. Daniel? Uh, so that 3-1 defeat there that, that Andy mentioned was only the second time that we lost uh, last season. One of only two games that we lost last season by more than one goal. And this season, we've already lost that amount of games by more than one goal after oh, three matches. Brilliant. Great. Um, this century, we've played, we've played Middlesbrough at home on six occasions, keeping five clean sheets. Okay. So we had three win, 2-0 win, 2-1-0 wins, 2-0-0 draws, and then a 2-0 defeat in 2019-20 which I am guessing, and they said a guess, it was probably one of Nathan Jones's <laughs> defeats. We'll just pin it on him. I don't know if he was or not. <laughs> well, he didn't give as much success, did he, seeing that as well? No, he did not. Um, if you're going the games last season, obviously uh, we were three points up, but last year we did get a point at Huddersfield, whereas today we lost, which means we are now only two points above if you the corresponding fixtures from last year, again we've got a point. So we'll that we, even if we lose against Middlesbrough, we're still guaranteed to be better off than we were last season. So everyone calling Michael O'Neill out, compare it to last season. That's all yes, I've got to say. We're already ahead. Exactly. Um, yeah, three points from three games isn't a great start, and we've only had what six. Yeah, six seasons out of the past 20 where we've had less points at this stage of the season. Um, so, yeah, that's my stats around that. Playing-wise, I don't think there is much to go on. Tyrese Campbell had his 100th game for Stoke today. Um, did he? He did. The club didn't so, announce it. 53 starts. <laughs> you sound like you're surprised. <laughs> No, it's just that the, it's not that I'm surprised. It's just that the club didn't announce it at all on any socials. Fifty-three starts and forty-seven sub appearances. Is that Tyrese? Oh. Well, maybe he'll announce it on his hundredth start. <laughs> yes. So yes, he, he is still as he has been uh, one goal behind Nick Powell uh, for top scoring the squad. Obviously, Jacob Brown's two behind Tyrese. Uh, Lewis Baker. He got himself, obviously, missed penalty today, so he joins the long list of players in the Stoke squad who've missed penalties. <laughs> but he did make amends. Including, I believe, Sam Klukas, Tyrese Campbell. Uh, anyone else you can think of in the squad? In the squ- current squad. <laughs> Fox. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> cool. We've got rid of, I think we've got rid of most of them, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard a car in the background then, Dan. I must admit, I thought Fox has just heard it. And he's on his way. <laughs> he's on his way. He's like, I don't really think so. In. That's the Oh, yeah, it is. Um, the cheeky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> they slated me again. Shootouts don't count. <laughs> I suppose the um, the interesting stats that I was looking at as well beforehand, it's not really massive stats at all, but um, they play exactly the same formation as us uh, we were looking up. So they play like a 3-5-2. Um, and uh, very similar, they have more possession, more shots, um, more shots on target, but are still losing games. Um, now, obviously, as we stand, Boris sit in the relegation zone needing a win. Hmm, that sounds familiar. 
Um, so sack Chris Wilder. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Sack. Who, who is it in charge of Norwich? Yeah, sack him. Dean Smith. <laughs> yeah, because they're bottom of the league. Yeah, sack Dean Smith. Sack Chris Wilder. <laughs> These managers who everyone's saying we should be going for managers like them. Well, hey, what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just you think it might, all of you football think, Twitter right now. Do you think it could possibly just be very early in the season? Oh, you know what? That could be a possibility. I think it's all right. We say that, and look, I, I don't disagree with you, but if we lose to Middlesbrough and we lose to Sunderland, it's going to get very tasty. That's, that's the fact of it. it it's, going to do, it's going to. I mean, Sunderland haven't, have not started badly at all, so obviously we're not going to talk about Sunderland today for obvious reasons because we've got a pod to do on Sunderland in a few days, but um, they aren't going to be a pushover. Middlesbrough, I know they're kind of towards the bottom, but as we've just said, they need a win, and here we go. We don't come. have the best record against them, <laughs> so, that's the whole problem. This is going to be harder than, than you think, but anyway... Um, Speaking so, of charity, um, again, additional uh, charities, yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so we've had Johnny from the uh, Borough Breakdown podcast, so he's been in touch with his thoughts as well, no doubt uh, counting his chickens that he's already won the match. Um, so let's hear what Johnny's had to say as well. Hello guys, Johnny here from the Borough Breakdown podcast. I'm here to give you a preview of Borough's game against Stoke at the Bet365 Stadium on Wednesday. And I'm recording this prior to Borough's game against Sheffield United uh, at 2 o'clock on the Sunday. Um, and just in terms of how, we're fi- how we've started so far this season, relatively quite slow. Um, we've yet to win uh, in any competition so far, but Chris Wilder is renowned to start quite slow as a manager um, and then progress quite nicely throughout the season. So I'm hoping we do something quite similar. Um, we are in a bit of a transitional period at the moment. We need a, quite a few signings to, to try and really make this squad into a promotion win inside. Um, at the moment, it's very, very thin. 21 players we've got um, at the moment, and we need probably about four or five more to really make this squad uh, capable for promotion. Uh, if, if there are players to look out for, um, look, at, look at our width. You know, Isaiah Jones on the right-hand side, Ryan Giles on the left, and Mills with most of their our attacks will come from that. I'm excited to see what Alex Mount will probably bring to the side as well because I feel like he's that good replacement that we've got for Marcus Tavernier. And then just a big shout-out for, for Riley McGree as well, who is just a, a wonderful, wonderful footballer, um, really elegant to watch and really silky and good on the ball, look for that through ball to try and get the wingers round the back uh, full-backs and then hopefully we'll try and create chances from there. Marcus Forster started off well and Tuber Akpom um, as well, who came in from the cold, started off quite well this season as well. So very unexpected uh, to see that but in terms of the feeling as well like we're looking at this squad and although the squad's not finished there is a lot of optimism around the team this year promotion is probably you know the the target but I think if we can get, if we can get the playoffs I'd be really really happy with that in terms of the game itself I think it's gonna be a really difficult game you know Stoke's always a difficult place to go we have never really done very well there apart from the Warnock game and after, I think it was just after post-Covid uh, in, the, in the summer where we won 2-0 and ever since then, ever since then, or before then, we've really struggled on our travels. But hopefully, we can get a result here on Wednesday night. I'm going to go for a two-one win for Borough. I just think that you know, after the after the fourth and fifth game, we should hopefully start to progress. We'll have another couple of players through the door by Wednesday, and we can progress a little bit further. But thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, take care. 
lovely. Thank you very much indeed, Johnny. Much appreciated, mate. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can we can finally get a win against Borough. I think we blink him on need it. Um, so anyway, speaking of uh, obviously predictions, uh, a certain Mr. Graham McGarry. Now Graham predicted two nil, uh, sorry two two scoreline. I'm sorry, um, and I know that uh, Andy didn't think that was a, a very good scoreline, but two um, two right. two two two. What's he doing? Yeah, well, <laughs> he, was, oh, right, he, was, he was he was almost correct. I'll give him that. It was better than us. He's very rarely far off, but um, anyway, let's see what he makes to the uh, Borough prediction this week as well. Hi there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry once again trying to get it right as we head to two games against two sides from the northeast region of the country. First up, of course, is Middlesbrough. That's where all the eyes will be on for Wednesday night at the Bet365. And then they will wait the arrival of Sunderland on the Saturday afternoon, of course, also at the Bet365. Performance wasn't bad, but they didn't capitalise on when it was most likely that they were going to score some further goals. They didn't be able to do that, get back to 1-1, then quickly lost a couple of goals as well. So they've got to bounce back. Their home fans are not happy. Michael O'Neill knows it's not right at the moment, but there are signs that it could just be about to turn the corner. It's a big week for the Potters fans and the players and the management and the supporters because they really could do with six points out of six. I think they'll beat Middlesbrough, you know? 2-0. Well, Lee, thank you very much indeed, Graham. Good to hear from you. So um, hopefully you're a bit closer to the uh, the prediction, mate, with a, a win this week. That would be uh, very much appreciated. Um, anyway, boys, well, time's come for um, team selections. Now, Dan, you told me, mate, just, and Andy, we're both witness that you've got some miraculous right-wing-back solutions. So, Michael O'Neill is listening. He wants to know. Come on. Uh, Go for it. Would you like me to talk about the referees first? (laughs) Give that alarm. No. You can do. We want to hear the right-wing back, and then you can go into the referee. Then you can go into the referee. Yes. So... I am keeping Joe Basic in goal. I thought he did. Uh, he had no chance for any of them goals today. Didn't do anything wrong. Um, kicking seemed to be all right with both left and right foot. Seemed to me he had a solid game. Yeah, he's in goal. I was building the tension here. Josh Tymon, of course, he's playing left wing back. <laughs> Centre halves: um, Connor Taylor, Ben Wilmot. If we can get a left-footed one in, then I think Ben Wilmot maybe is going to be losing his place in the squad in the team. I would bring Jagielka back into the middle of the three. Okay. I can't. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. For me, he's he's a better option than Flint right now, especially three games in a week. Um, games coming thick and fast. Probably that we rotate the pensioners. It's probably <laughs> fair. Flint isn't um, that old. <laughs> Uh, and then at right wing back, I'm going to be playing Jacob Brown. <laughs> what? Okay. I, so, I, I, I know why you're saying no, that, because no, he can, can run and he can attack. I can see it. He has played there when we need to defend. Right. When he was at Barnsley, oh, here we go. He, spent, he spent up nearly a whole season playing right wing back for Barnsley. And then we signed him on the back of that. <laughs> So, he obviously can get forward. 
and he's got a good engine. He can be up and down. He's got plenty of plenty of energy, plenty of pace. He can defend. He, he doesn't give stupid like like Johnny Walters. God bless him. He would always get back and help out. But my thing was when he got back there, he'd just run into people and give free kicks away. Jacob Brown doesn't do that. He's more measured in his defending, shall we say? Mark, I have. I'm going to throw a question to you about it. Go on. When we attack, will he go more further forward? And then when we need to defend, he'll play as a proper, you know, right wing back, as you say. Or will he well, stick it out at right wing back? So this season, we are technically playing three at the back and five in midfield, aren't we? Yeah, that's what, that, like, so, when it's the attacking, it's three, five in midfield, but it's defending, it's five at the back. Yeah, so that's what he does. He plays the wing back role. He, he gets back okay. and helps defend. But when we got the ball, he's looking to get forward. And like I say, he's got good pace. And I think as well, you think that if we've got Campbell and Gale up front, because they're my front two, so Gale's making those near post runs, Campbell's in the box as well. And then if the cross from timing, because we're still going, we're still going to be going down the left more often than not, aren't we? Yeah. The cross from timing, if it goes deep, coming at the back post from the right-hand side, is Jacob Brown. You know what? I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it. Oh, you have, you have to look back, right? I know I know it was a different formation, a different style, but you look back to 2008, we got promoted, and Richard Cresswell was a striker playing left wing, and he got 12 goals, and all he got 12 goals was coming in off the left wing because we just attacked, we didn't attack down the left, we attacked down the right with Liam Lawrence, and Liam Lawrence had put the ball in, Sadibi and Fuller would be there, and Cresswell would be coming in round the back, coming in, and he got himself... Uh, plenty of goals coming in because obviously as well you're an extra body coming in from through space as yeah. well aren't you you're running onto the ball so if this okay. does work out we might not have to worry too much about the right wing back spot exactly it might not what, out, you know what get him on the recruitment page get him on the recruitment team he knows what he's doing Jake, Jacob Brown, mate, isn't saying anything to Michael O'Neill about this. He's like, I am not he playing will, He right will wing. play. I'm <laughs> not play, reminding but... him that I played there. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's listening to this like, write that down, write that down, Dean. Write it down. Imagine, Dean, Dean, my God, I'd completely <laughs> forgot about that when he was at Barnsley. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise us with our bloody scouting techniques sometimes, mate. Jesus Christ. I wanted um, to have come off, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I've been a bit harsh there. But um, all right, well, uh, I think score I'm prediction, not saying it's the answer to all our prayers, and I'm not saying he's going to turn us into temporary solution. But I think it's definitely worth a try in our current okay. predicament. Okay. Fine. No, fair Uh What score line prediction are you going for? Uh, midfield three, by the way, sticking the same. Yeah. Smallbone, uh, Lauren, and Baker. Yeah. I think they Baker and Lot. Compared to the last home game, I think the three of them worked really well in the last home game, so keep them yeah. there. Uh, School wise, I think it's going to be really tight and 1 0. Okay. Andy, many changes for you. I mean, I'm assuming you've not gone Brown at right wing back. <laughs> I didn't initially, but I like the thinking. <laughs> oh, he's stealing it now, um, is he? Nah, it's, it's a hard one. Obviously, if we can get Edwards back, I'd love to play him there. Do I feel like Sparrow's got the quality? He did for parts, but majorly, like you said, look like a deer in headlights. Um, would I be brave enough to play Dehaney there? At this rate, yeah. Don't go stealing my bloody formation and stuff, mate. <laughs> there is no I... other right wing back we've got. <laughs> right, well... Jordan I... Thompson there. 
Mate, you can put blinking, I don't know, Jack Bonham is doing nothing. Put him at right wing back. Frank Fielding can know. get a game at right wing back. Um, <laughs> but, no, nah, I feel like, to be honest, if we are going to use the youth, and Sparrow could quite literally be, he needs those one or two games to get going. He played against Morecambe. He played against, obviously, today against Huddersfield. Maybe that third game's what he needs. So... I'm going to change Flint for Jagielka just to rotate those two. Not the pensioners, because Flint's a lot younger than Jags. But it's pretty much the same team. I just want to rotate, you know, Flint and Jags around for the time being. If we bring in a left-sided centre-back like Congolo or Matt Clark, maybe drop Wilmot out the team. OK, score prediction? I, I got it horribly wrong last time. Uh, I said, um, well, I think I went 2-0 initially, didn't I? And no, then, you went 3-1, because yeah. I said, oh, you've stolen my... Yeah. And I said 2-0, because you'd stolen But um, what happened with the 3-1 the other way around? So um, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to Middlesbrough and use reverse psychology. Oh, damn it. OK, well, oh, there's my, there's mine, Dan. 1-0 Middlesbrough. Um, to be honest, that was my prediction. In terms of team, so mine's exactly the same as you boys. I think everyone's bringing Jags back in noticed yeah. um but i actually put dehaney uh at right wing back now not because i think dehaney's a good right wing back I, I don't think he is i think i've made that very very clear don't really have um i just think that you know sparrow is going to be hurting uh, again another bad game won't really do him any good by having a, another bad game uh i think that would spell the end for him uh until loans or something like that so my, my, my main thought behind it is Dehaney's not great going forward, but we're struggling to make an impact down that right wing anyway. So if that is the case, then we're not going to lose an attacking flair by not having him there. So for me, Dehaney is just a, a right back. Um, he's not going to do anything special. So let's just try and keep it solid and uh, relatively solid defence there um, and then use the attacking flair through time and, and obviously the centre of the park to to make our impact. I just think we need we need to not worry about that position. Now, Dehaney may not do any good anyway at right back, but um, I think that's my rationale behind it. Dan, I love your thoughts about Brown. Never even occurred to me, mate. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if that randomly popped up. So we know who, if he listens or not, come uh, obviously Wednesday. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my prediction. But yeah, 1-0 one, one Middlesbrough was exactly what I've got in my mind. Um, I don't know. I don't want to go now. <laughs> I just feel I just feel very. I did ask you whether thing. you wanted to go Blackburn with me, and you're like, eh, I'll tell you near the time. Yeah, we'll see. I might be, I don't know, doing the. It depends whether the weather's nice. If the weather's Fair nice, weather's... then it's like you you might as well. <laughs> the the ultimate yeah. fair weather support um, <laughs> depends what the weather is. Well, at least I'm not as bad as some Man United fans. No, well, we could not forget it's been raining. Or Jurgen Klopp's excuse against Fulham. Saying that the grass was too dry, even though they had the sprinklers on for twenty minutes before kickoff, it was lush. Full and prove that on Twitter. Yeah. No, it's just more the fact that I'll have to cancel a prior engagement to go that one. So it's whether it's blinking worth it at the time. To be honest, it's a lot of hassle to change what I need to change. But yeah, whatever. If we'll, we win we'll, two we'll on see. the bounce, then maybe. Maybe. Um. Anyway, uh, so Dan, you wanted to mention as well about the referee. Yes, so the referee is Michael Salisbury. Uh, he's refereed 34 championship games and an average of 22 fouls per game. 
three out of four tackles resulted in giving a foul, which doesn't obviously doesn't like people tackling. Then seventy five percent of tackles. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, he's given six penalties in his thirty four championship games, ninety seven yellows, and seven reds. Uh, he has, <laughs> however, the last season he refed us in the two one cup defeat at home to Brentford. And the last time he ref Stoke was the nil-nil draw with Middlesbrough at home. Oh, for <laughs> God's oh. sake. So he was that good, they've given him the same game again. Uh, since then, though, he, last season he also refereed Middlesbrough in the 2-1 win at home to West Brom and a 1-1 draw at home to Blackburn for them. Uh, in four Middlesbrough games, he had they've won once, lost once, drawn twice. And he has actually ref Stoke on five occasions which means he is on, only QPR as he refed more in his career than Stoke games. Uh, we have one win, one loss, and three draws. So everything points to a ball draw. Great. A ball draw with, plenty, with him blowing up for a foul every time somebody goes So what you're it. saying is there's a good chance if you want to do put a bet down, maybe have a go at putting a red card down. Yeah, or, or just like every time somebody well, goes, every time somebody goes to ground, foul. <laughs> well, well that's gonna I just, get the just want to point side. out, I did tell, I did tell everybody to go for an over uh, high cards on your. You betting. say over over, um, over three, over three point five. Didn't I think you? I said over. I think I said over three or five, three or four point five, something yeah. like that. You said over three point five. Day, so. I also helped people out on the coach today who uh, yeah. I said, look, there's a Willie Mill bet. It's a goal to be scored in the Villa or Everton game. Even money, easy money all day long. And within 20 minutes, it was up. So, so Morgan, up. if you're listening to this, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. I still haven't had my share, mate, but never mind. <laughs> um, anyway, anything else anybody wants to add? Not really particularly. I was just going to mention a few free agents that we could sign. That was about it. On top of the ones you've already mentioned? Yeah, so um, for left-sided centre-back, there is one or two in here that people may know. Obviously, we've had that Naby Sar link, which I don't know what's going on with it at all. Uh, Michael Hector, who did play for Fulham um, at last, and he's also played for Sheffield Wednesday, Hull City and Reading. So he's got some experience there. An old name, which might be a little temporary solution, Winston Reid who people may remember from his time at West Ham United. Uh, for, for your target men, Alfred Fig Bogginson, who is about, I think, 6'3". Uh, if you want an injury-prone player, Daniel Sturridge. Um, Lewis Graben could be a good shout. And the final one is ex-Welsh international, Hal robson Carnu. Hasn't Daniel Sturridge been a free agent for about two and a half years? He was at Perth, I believe. Perth Glory over in America oh, and right. Australia, sorry. And I think... Yeah, the, I think he'd be the perfect signing. I can see him at Hamley Town. <laughs> Didn't you I say when right. we were going to... I think, was it Akron's we went? And you're like, oh yeah, we tried to sign Daniel Sturridge. And look what happened to him. <laughs> Says Correct. everything though, don't it's about the player. Clearly he isn't very good if nobody wants him. One of the main things. Um, anyway, Dan, no, anything else from you? Fit. You normally have a shout at me if I forget something you want to mention. So come on. Uh, no, I, th- I think we've covered everything, haven't we? There's no, obviously, we're a bit early on the gaff and we can't update that. Uh, yeah. Super 6 hasn't finished yet. 
No, I should get some more points though, mate, before the Man United game, which I actually had United <laughs> to lose 2-1. <two>, <laughs> I thought 2-1 was being generous, but... My phone I had a one or draw. My phone's broken. I forgot to do my gaffer. Forgot to update ah, my gaffer. Ah, here yeah. we go. Excuses going in already, Andy. You can load um, it up on your iPad or your computer. I know. I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, every phone I have, the screen smashes. Like I've had iPhones for years and they always smash the screen eventually. And... I always think to myself, I'm going to get a screen protector, I'm going to get a case, and by the time I get around to it, the phone's already smashed. And I picked up my phone the other day, and the back of it, it still was all like smashed, but the screen itself was fine, and I thought to myself, how great is this? I've managed to keep this phone now for two years, I've only got 12 months left on the contract, because I was stupid enough to take a three-year one out, and I was like, and the screen, haven't I done well? I put it in my pocket, I walked Literally from that was that was like as I was coming out of the house, shut the door, walked onto my driveway, sat in my car. As I sat in my car, the phone fell out of my pocket as I've pulled the door to, and the chance of this happening must be minute, but the door shut and trapped the phone between the door and the car. Literally hit the screen. Literally five seconds after I'd told myself how proud I was of myself. For not smashing the screen. <laughs> I've done that to be fair. You're so proud, and the next thing you know. So basically, the reason we haven't got a gaffer update isn't because the the table hasn't updated or the league hasn't updated. It's because Dan keeps breaking his devices. So yeah. <laughs> well, there is. Yeah. If anyone playing gaffer, I'm looking at I'm looking at it now. I've got it up on my iPad while we're talking. Two oh, look days, at you. eighteen hours. So the deadline is quarter past six on the sixteenth of August, which I believe is Tuesday. So, yeah, the next game day, you've got till quarter past six on Tuesday to get your switcheroos round for your teams. So, even though, yeah, say we play Wednesday, but obviously we need to be Tuesday. Uh, Captain Smallbone, Vice Captain Baker. I don't think that did me much good this week. Hi, Captain Baker. I haven't checked how many points, but Timon's got mate, an amber Andy, warning. Andy. Yeah. Can I just say, mate, you've now in, you're now in fifth place. Eh? Yeah. Never mind. 186 oh, yeah. points. You've you know what it is? You know, when I, you know when I put my away advantage on? Yeah. Baker's scored, Annie. And he's my captain, so points have just gone boom. You've got 26 points for Godden. Godden's got 26. Did he score today? Yeah. Well, she would hope so. Yeah, oh, 26 you know what? I've made, I was planning on making a few changes. I might not now. I wouldn't wait because, well, Jack, Jack's team, so Jack Curran's 216 in first place. You've got Joe Williams second with 213. You've got Gareth Wall 209 in third. You've got um, uh, Piers Barwick as uh, fourth with 207. Then you're in fifth with 186. It's very, very close. But you were like 35th or 32nd. Mate. I was like 38th. So, well, so it only I, takes one game week. I am nicely in 23rd place, Michael. Uh, do you know where you are? Would you like me to tell you? No, I don't really need to know, mate. I actually need to change my team. I've been meaning to do it for two weeks. <laughs> That's sort of me, mate. Fancy football. You've got not three good... players in there who aren't actually playing. Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, either, either way, 
so for for Super Six, it's still going on. So I haven't really got an updated table for everybody. But I just like to point out that I do have eight points um, already with I think two games, uh, one one or two games to go. So um, I might actually do pretty well this week. Certainly better than last week anyway. So um, we'll update you on the next uh, pod anyway for that. So well done to everybody for this week. So that pretty much does us uh, for this one. So yeah, we're back as always on Friday uh, about half six, seven o'clock. So make sure you tune in for that one. That obviously is going to be previewing the uh, Sunderland defeat uh, this coming weekend. So um, it only leaves me to say, Dan, Andy, thanks, boys. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's joined us as well this week. The numbers have been great recently. So thank you. And we'll see you all on Friday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.